Yassis, and welcome to the Greece Travel Secrets podcast. Your host is the founder of the Greece Travel Secrets website, Sandy Pappas, and she's joined by a variety of guests covering all sorts of topics about visiting Greece and making the most of your Greek odyssey. So a big welcome today to our special guest coming all the way from Melbourne, and I'm joined by Kelly Mikalakis. Kelly is from the Hellenic Odyssey, and she's here today to talk to us about her business. Hi, Kelly. Welcome along. Hi, Sandy. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here talking all things Greek. What's the weather like down in Melbourne today? Absolutely freezing. I'm wearing two jackets and I still can't warm up. So the longingness to be in Greece is real. Oh, I know. Oh, honestly, I'm dreaming, drooling, thinking about those summer nights on the Greek island. So anyway, we're on the countdown now. Yes. We've certainly earned it. Now, Kelly, there's a couple of things I want to talk to you about. One is, well, they're, they're kind of the same thing. Your business, the Hellenic Odyssey, runs both cooking classes in Melbourne. Yes. And I've watched some of them um, on your Facebook page and I think you're doing a, a, a fantastic job. And you're also doing tours in Crete, which yes. is where your family is from. And I believe your your mother has just moved back to Crete. Yes. So tell us a bit about the cooking, the cooking side of the business first. How did you get into that and what does it entail? Yeah, so cooking classes, uh, Greek cooking classes in Melbourne involves a group of people coming together who share the love of Greek food and it's really a variety of people. So it might be Greeks that haven't been taught how to cook Greek food from their grandparents or parents because a lot of our elders don't give recipes as such. They say metomati, which means by the eye. So they find it very difficult to learn from their elders how to create a, a Greek dish. So this second or third generation will come to me to be taught how to cook Greek food. But there's a lot of also non-Greeks who have a special connection to Greece. So whether that's because they are Australian and married to a Greek or whether they were supposed to celebrate a 50th in Greece during COVID and they want the next best thing, which is a cooking class because you get to experience you know, the aromas and flavours of Greek food here in, in Melbourne, or whether they had a neighbour, you know, lived next to a neighbour who used to drop off goodies at their doorstep during Easter and, and Christmas. Mm. Um, most of my participants have a connection to Greece and it's really beautiful to find out what that connection is when they arrive. Mm. So basically we will, we will prepare our food, we will cook our food and then we will sit down and all of the food comes out on the table as once as a sharing menu and we get to enjoy everything that we have created. Oh, that's the best So it's, it's a really beautiful way to come together and, and to connect. But, of course, during COVID and Melbourne being in such a long lockdown, we weren't able to deliver these cooking classes. So we had to do it online. Mm. And, you know, can you teach someone how to make galactoburiko, which is not particularly an easy dish to no, make over a computer screen? Yeah, yeah. And we did. You know, Galactoburiko making class was one of the most popular classes that I did um, during lockdown. So we did them online. That's my favourite Greek dessert. It is delicious. Yeah. I'm a custard fiend. Oh, you uh, would love bugatza as well. I know, bugatza too. Oh. Bugatza and Galactoburiko <laughs> would. And ekmek. You probably like ekmek kadaifi as well because that's got lots of custard and cream I know. on top. I love all of them and I have to stay away from them in Greece because I just put on too much weight so anyway 
<laughs> yeah, that, that's why we diet before we go to Greece so that we can put on the weight eating all the yummy food. Um, but, yeah, we, we, we went online and, and, and something else that was really beautiful to mention is that during lockdown when families couldn't get together and families were dispersed in different parts of Australia or even different parts of the world, it meant that, you know, a mum that's in America could connect with her daughter that's in Melbourne over these cooking classes. So it brought people together on a, on a different level that I wasn't expecting. I wasn't just teaching people how to cook Greek food, but I was connecting people during a real critical time of disconnect. So we're back, back to hosting in-person cooking classes and I host them um, almost every, every weekend um, in person. And I host one or two cooking classes a month online as well. So um, I do have a Nekmek Kadeisi online class coming up tonight, actually. So, so you've been able to offer them to people around yeah. the world, not yes. just people yeah. in Melbourne, which is absolutely okay. That's fabulous news. Yeah. So people can find them, Kelly, where at your website, which is yeah, thehellenicodyssey.com. Dot com. Okay, fantastic. And I also do a lot of um, private groups. So again, people that have family that are dispersed in different parts of Australia or different parts of the world that want to have their own private cooking class Mm -hmm. um, or they want to learn something specific. So I take requests as well. If someone wants to learn how to make moussaka or pastizio and it's not a class that I have coming up, but they've got four, you know, between, you know, four and eight people that they can get together and have their own virtual cooking class, I also do that as well. But uh, there might be some corporate opportunities there for you. Yeah, so I already do corporate. And we've got like um, monthly corporate cooking classes for people that do this as a social activity. Again, because they've got offices all over the world or all over Australia, they bring together their team members to have a a team bonding experience. Fantastic. Okay. Well done. That's great. I've enjoyed watching your journey. I know you and I spoke, oh, two years ago maybe? Yes. Uh, Probably when we were both just starting out and also (laughs) – just before COVID came along yeah. and, um, and and made us both pivot and innovate, yes. I suppose. But we've been very resilient and I'm I'm pleased that we're both, I think, um, getting some results and some, some rewards from our, our hard work. Yes. So, so, okay, that's the food business. Yes. And I know that that's closely connected, of course, to your food tours. Yes. And they occur in Crete. Right. Yes. Yes. I do food tours here as well. They're just walking tours here. I do them in the suburb called Oakley, which is the Hellenic hub of Melbourne. And we do walking tours here as well. Um, but yes, we are doing walking tours in Hanya mm-hmm. in Crete. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have already started for the year as the tourist season in Crete has, has already taken off. So yes, it has. Um, it has everywhere. Yeah. So what does a food tour entail? Are they half-day things, yep. full-day? So our tours start at 9.30 in the morning and they go for three hours. Um, they finish up at 12.30 before it starts to get really hot and it gives people the opportunity to still head out to the beach after lunch. Um, it's a fully guided tour for groups we have quite a number of stops and these stops include both a culinary and a cultural element. So yes, it's a walking food tour, but you're also going to be exposed to some of the key things that distinguish a Cretan from other parts of Greece. So for example, um, Crete is known for its macheria, 
it's knives. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did you know that, Sandy? I've heard of them. Yes. Um, I know, look, I've been to Crete. Uh, we have a number of friends that are from Crete. And I, I my favourite thing that I love is to watch the Pontian, is it Pontian dancing? The um, What's this special dance? that It's, uh, it's Cretan dancing, but it's Pendozali that I think you're thinking of. But Yeah, and, and the roots go back to the Pontian area of of the Black Sea. But anyway, right. that's something that I love and I yes. think that the knives out or the knives are in those costumes. That's right. So the, the Cretan costume, the, the man will have the knife mm-hmm. um, tied to his belt and these knives are very opulent. They're often engraved um, or the, the case that it sort of sits in is very extravagant. So we stop at a store, a traditional store, that still makes these knives so right. that people can experience them. And, and since we're on the topic of costume, have you also seen the white boots oh, yeah. that are worn? Yeah. Definitely. So, Stevania. Very distinctive and not yes. unlike, I guess, the Evzones, of course, in Athens, you know. Yeah. Soldiers, the presidential guards that also have yes. a very distinctive uniform. Yeah. That's right. So um, another one of our stops is to see these Cretan boots mm-hmm. um, and how they're made. We also take people to sample Cretan Bugatza, which is not to be confused with Bugatza in Thessaloniki. Mm-hmm. So Bugatza in Thessaloniki is made with a sweet semolina custard, whereas the Cretans make it with a local Cretan cheese. Right. But they still serve it like it's a dessert because it's sprinkled with cinnamon and um, granulated sugar. So the Cretans uh, have a play on that sweet and savoury. So mm-hmm. mixing a lot of cheeses with a sweet element, whether it's a piece of kefalogaviera cheese, for example, which is a hard cheese, with honey. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, going to Crete, it's a must-do to try mm. Cretan Bugatza. Mm. I best not go there. I'm better, another, <laughs> better avoid it. And, and, Kelly, so we certainly found, and, and certainly I've done a lot of research on this for other reasons, but the food is, is fairly heavily Ottoman uh, influence, yes. right? Yes. So, I mean, you wouldn't get, for example, an ouzo at the end of a meal in Crete. No. You get a, a raki instead. And yes. the, the darkos, the, um, yes. the, the the salad with the rusks is not something typical in other parts of Greece. Exactly. It's a very Cretan, Cretan yes. dish. Mm. Yeah. So in Crete, also, like my grandmother wouldn't refer to raki as raki. She would call it tsikuvia, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. Like the same thing. Yeah. And, and I do know they, they, they call it that on some islands and not others yeah, as well, like yeah. along Eastern Aegean, you know, where, where John's father's from in Hios, they have the mastica. Oh, yeah. I love the, the mastica. But sometimes cakes. they call it, they have the sipura as well. Yes. So there's a bit of crossover too, I yes, think. Yes, yeah. And the Cretan dacos is really something that you do only find in Crete. If you find it elsewhere, they will still call it a Cretan dacos. And basically it's, it's, a, it's a barley rusk that has been dehydrated. And, and in old times they would do this to preserve bread during poverty. It was a way of preserving bread. Um, and now they rehydrate it with some water and some olive oil and then you get the beautiful summer produce of the tomatoes and, you know, um, Oregon, Greek oregano and the, the Greek local cheese, which is on the dacos, they have mizithra. So it's not feta, it's mizithra. It's not feta or ricotta, it's mizithra, yeah. which is it's like a, a goat's milk ricotta basically, quite a distinct flavour. 
Yeah. yeah. I, love, I love Mizithrin. It's so yes. hard to find in Australia. Yeah. Um, in fact, well, where you we can't. live now, I'm, I've got no chance of, of getting yeah. it anywhere. Yes. So, yeah, having a Cretan um, Dacos and um, a Tsikuvia is, uh, is also a must. If you can't have the Raki or the Tsikuvia straight, you can have Rakomelo. Mm-hmm. which is raki that's been mixed with honey and some spices and you can either have it hot or cold mm-hmm. and it makes it a lot easier to drink. It's, but raki is quite aromatic anyway on its own, so I find it quite pleasant. Oh, I far prefer it to ouzo. I'm not yeah, a not an any seed. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Okay. Well, that's, that sounds like a fantastic tour, to be honest. Yeah. So there is a cheese tasting included in that, Sandy. Okay. I should mention that there is um, a cheese tasting, so you will get to taste the local cheeses. Um, there's also a stop in a bakery where they will get to see all those rusks that we just talked about yeah. and some of the really iconic Cretan biscuits that are made with olive oil, um, generally vegan uh, because the Greeks spend so much of the year fasting. A lot of the biscuits that they have with their coffee or their, their Greek coffee uh, will be vegan. So there's these beautiful olive oil and sesame seed um, cinnamon biscuits in Crete. So you will go to a local bakery and try them and um, see everything that's available but also xerotigana which literally translates to like dry fried like uh, which means it's these uh it's pastry that's been fried and it kind of gets bubbles on it and it's it's shaped like a rose basically and it's a celebratory dessert so often this is served at weddings um, and it's dipped in a sugar syrup that has cinnamon and clove. And, again, in other parts of Greece you'll find it. It's called vipless, but it has egg in the pastry, whereas in Crete we don't add egg in the pastry. Okay. Um, so you will get to, you know, through these walking tours, you're going to learn a, a lot about the Cretan cuisine and how it differs to other parts of Greece and what makes it so special. And it's quite simple. I mean, Greek food is quite simple all over Greece, but even in Crete because it's such a large island and they cultivate and harvest a lot of their own produce. So it's real fresh, seasonal, local produce. If you go to the Lake in the morning, you know, everything will be everything that you see for sale in terms of produce, it would tell you what, where, which part of Crete it comes from. That's great. I love the sound of the tour because um, it's not just about food, even though that might be the focal point, but I love that you've woven those cultural elements yes. in as well. I think that's really important for, for visitors. Yes. Um, to be able to not just sort of taste things, but understand where they where they've come from and 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 the greater sort of cultural aspects of certainly Crete and anywhere in Greece as well. Yes. And Kelly, you've I I will put this in the um in the show notes and um I will share a link for our listeners, which will go back to uh, your website and it will give them a discount that we can yes. put on for the for the listeners of Greece Travel Secrets. Yes. So thank you yes. very much for that generous yes. discount. And that applies to both the food tours and the cooking classes as we are hosting cooking classes in Crete as well. Okay. All right. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, I'm really pleased to find that actually because I've almost finished an article called Cooking Classes in Greece. Mm-hmm. I'm finding that people are more and more interested in this. I think the yes. world has become obviously quite obsessed with food. Yes. <laughs> Whether it was COVID or prior, I don't know. But yes. uh, 
I, I already have uh, a couple that I love and recommend in Athens. Naxos, of course, is oh, known yeah. for its food and they, yes. they do a very good job. There's even one now on Mykonos, which um, is on a family farm, which is very authentic. Oh, beautiful. Which is nice to see because there's not a lot of authenticity on Mykonos anymore. Mm. And I'm going up to Thessaloniki myself, actually, um, at the end of my trip this summer, and uh, I'll be specifically looking at food-related activities up there because, yes, I'm a little bit obsessed with food myself. Yes. Um, so this is fantastic. Now we've got something to give people in Crete. Now, Crete, speaking of which, we haven't got a lot of time left, but this is an island that um, is, is definitely... Uh, on everybody's radar, it's mm. becoming more popular every year. Some parts may be a little bit too much so, but luckily it's very big and yes. uh, there's plenty of room for everybody. I think I read the other day that there's 650,000 people that live on Crete. Mm -hmm. um, it's a lot more than I think people realise. I think yeah. a lot of people think it's just another island like, yeah. like Santorini or, or Mykonos, and, of course, it's not. It's like a country all on yeah. its own. And yeah. I, I, I always tell people to give it at least a week and yes. prefer preferably two is, is much better. Yeah, but I agree. For people that are going there, uh, I've got an article about things to do in Crete. I've got an article about road trips because it is uh, a place that you, you really can't explore it well, in my opinion, without a car. Yes. Um, and I've got an article about places to stay. Yes. But I'd love to talk to you. You've been to Crete far more times than I have about what you love about it and what, what are some of the places that you think really stand out to you as, as, as the places that people should visit? So I spent the majority of my time in Kanya. So um, I have travelled the whole island and I, I agree with you, you do need a car and the problem with Crete is it's not like one of those islands that you can go around the island. Yeah, yeah. Like you have to drive the centre and then you've got to go north and then you've got to come back down and then you've got to go south and come back back up again. So it's not easy to navigate in that sense. There is, you do need to have a little bit of a plan. So it's good that you do have some itineraries for people to follow through. Um with Hanya, it really depends on what type of experience you're wanting to have, whether you're wanting to have a beach kind of experience. And I've probably got two or three of the most amazing beaches that I recommend. Maybe we'll start with beaches and then I'll do some, I'll, I'll mention some other, some more land or um, green experiences. But I really do feel that you really should get the ferry and go to Granvusa and see Balos. Mm -hmm. Um it is very busy. I think they have three ferries going at once in the morning. I don't recommend driving there. It is such, it's a dirt road and yeah. there's just, it's pebbles and it's, and it's, it's very hot. It's really hard. And there's no People shade. do it, but I don't <laughs> recommend it. The ferry is easier. You have the stop at the castle so you can walk up and you will see the most amazing views from the top of the castle. Yeah. Um, that's your I think the second stop actually and then the third stop um, you go to Balos and the beach there it's like it's it's heavenly it's it's mm. it's just that it is very busy so I probably recommend doing it if you can if you have the flexibility either at the start or the end of the season so that's one of the beach stops I also recommend the La Fonisi so La Fonisi is like you might as well be in heaven I imagine heaven looks like that it is just a tropical it looks like a tropical paradise um they do require travel, so they're not close. You need to go to Kisamos to go to Gramvusa, and Elafonisi is, is at least an hour and a half um, via car to get there. 
if you're wanting something a little closer, just before Kisamos, you can go to Falasidna, which mm-hmm. is also really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do need to drive to get to beaches in Kanya. They're not, the, you know, they're not immediately, you know, there is a, you know, there are beaches close by, but to get really amazing beach, you need to drive. Yes, definitely. And, and uh, um, Elephantisos is the pink beach, right? It's the one that gets... Yes, pink, pink sand. sand, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some people confuse Elafonisi with Elafonisos in Peloponiso, which is also stunning, uh, but they're two me. different beaches. <laughs> yeah, I know, including me. Sometimes I look them up. So many, as you know, there's so many places that have similar names yes. or even the same name. Yes. Um, you know, and everything's Agios something. Yes. And, um, anyway, and I know it, it does confuse a lot of travellers. Um, yes. And I guess that's why groups like mine have been so successful because we all try and help each other out with yeah. that. Um, yeah, look, I agree. Crete definitely has some of the best, best beaches in Europe, hands down, and you'll see them consistently named in any of those yeah. you know, top 20 beaches in the world or top yes. 20 beaches in Europe. You'll definitely see Balos and perhaps a couple of the others as well, and they yes. really are worth seeing. And I think, look, there's no hotels there. You can't stay on these beaches. There's a couple nearby, but I like the fact that, you know, they're not developed and it is a bit harder to get to them because that yes. retains the beauty yes. and uh, hopefully will keep them like that for some time. Yes. You can go to those very, very built up, what are they, uh, I can't even remember, the, the, in the northern area past Rethymno. Um, um, you're thinking of uh, Hirsonisos? Yes, Hirsonisos. And there's huge all-inclusive resorts and massive, yes. uh, you know, water parks and all those things. And some some people love that. They've got lots. Yep. Of, they've got small children. Um, that might be a good place for them to stay. But I personally prefer staying somewhere like Hanya yeah. or um, Rethymno. Yes. Actually, I like even even more because it's just smaller and yeah. I don't know, probably le- less crowded. Yes. Um, so, yeah, there's so much diversity on Crete. We could talk about it for there hours. There is. And what are some other things that... Something else I recommend, and this is for someone that does have the seven days to spend, yep. I do recommend getting the bus to um, Omalos. From there, you will be able to start the Samaria Gorge walk. Um, it is an 8 to 10 to 12-hour walk, depending on fitness levels. Yeah. It is all pretty much decline and it is very rugged landscape that is constantly changing. Now, this is, let me think, is it uh, the deepest? No, it's the longest gorge in the world. Okay. The deepest, the deepest is Vikos Gorge, northern Greece. Mm, yeah. mm. If you have the time, I do recommend doing it. You end up, um, you end up at a year, Bella year, I think it's called. But from there, what I recommend is most people then just get back on the ship and go back to Hanya. Mm-hmm. I actually recommend staying there for the night so you can recoup, mm-hmm. and then the next day there's always ferries that are taking you back to Svakya. Mm-hmm. Now Svakya is just stunning. Um, there's also um, Lutro, Lutraki there, mm-hmm. but there's also a place called Glikanera, which is sweet water. And what you do, whether you base yourself in Svakya or um, Lutraki, you just get a, a boat. You can only get to these beaches via boat. Yeah. 
and they are just out of this world amazing. But also around the port, because as we know, most Greek islands, all the life is around the ports. Yeah. Around the Limani, there's some beautiful places where you can get food that it's just what's been made that day. So there isn't a menu. There's just five or six bain-maries of, yeah. of food that's been made that day. And you will have some of the most beautiful food. Um, and Svakia is also known for its Svakia nopites, which is a, a filo pastry, basically like a pita, a pie that's filled with um, cheese. But it's sort of it's rolled out so that it's completely flat. You can't mm. even tell that there's cheese inside it, and then it's drizzled with honey. So the landscape in Svakia is very rugged, and even the people look different. So the people of Svakia are known for their blue eyes and their dark hair. Wow. That's something I think of only in the north of north of yeah, Greece. Yeah. Oh, there must be a passing sailor. <laughs> yeah. And then you you know, you 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 drive up and it's so up Svakya to go back to Kanya and it's just so rugged and so oh. different to other parts of Crete. So if someone has two or three days, I definitely recommend doing that trip. I highly agree. I mean, yeah. maybe, look, maybe not the hike. <laughs> I'm not up for a 10-hour hike anymore. But I think those those villages in that southern part of the island are probably, you know, they're the hidden gems of Crete. We probably will regret talking about this. But um, <laughs> that you can't drive to them, you can only access them by boat, means that they are just, they've retained all that authenticity, they're yeah. charming, they're, they're beautiful and yes, I completely agree that if I was going back to Crete, actually that's that's actually where I'd stay. Yeah, just and you don't have to do the hike. Just go to Svakia and you can yep. go and you yep. can experience you can experience it from the other end, like the Finnish end, and still get to enjoy it and and um, experience it. It's such a contrast to to Hanyar and yes, and the, and the big big towns and cities in the north of the island. It's yes, yes, completely different probably how it all was back, you know, 50 years ago. Yes, yes. So, Kelly, the other thing about Crete that um, every, you know, a lot of people are talking about, which is great to hear, is is the wine. So Cretan mm. wine has really come along in, you know, probably the last 10 years or so. I have not gotten to the wineries. I yeah. think most, most of the good ones are up in the mountains or in the hills behind Iraklio. Um but there are some near Hanya. Yeah, I haven't been to the ones in Iraklio, but I have been to a few in Hanya, and they're actually very easy and very quick to get to. There are also companies that do wine tours yep. um, that you can do a couple of different wineries and have yeah. a full day I've experience. Got a to a few tours, which is yeah. really, really successful. And what I like about them is that often they also have a little cafe, a little restaurant. So you can really go there, sample the wine, but you can make a day of it. If you just want to go to one or two, which is I think what we did, yeah. we we also had lunch there. We had, you know, meze, meze yeah. this. Yeah. Um, and they're really beautiful and they're quite large and it's really it really is worth visiting a couple of wineries whilst you're there. Something else I also recommend visiting if you are an olive oil lover Mm-hmm. You can go to Anovulves, which has one of the oldest olive trees in mm-hmm. Greece. It's been um, estimated that it's around 3,000 years old. Mm. There's also a museum there, an olive oil museum, and you can also visit an olive oil mill that still um, presses its olives, uh, cold-pressed olives, olive oil, 
but it's pressed with stones, which is very traditional. So wow. that's if you're looking for some, you know, off the beaten track kind of experiences, yeah. this is something I would be recommending for someone to do. And the drive there, you just get to see all these olive trees and it's just at out of that city, even though Hanya, it's not much, it's not a big city, yeah. but you get to leave that touristy sort of centre and yeah. go and see yeah. some villages and, and see um, a little bit more of that, that culinary side of, of Crete because Cretan olive oil is highly regarded, as many parts of other Greece as well, Kalamata and Peloponiso, but Cretan olive oil is, is quite high up there in its rankings. Yeah. Um, as as well as honey as well. If you can just try and sample some thyme honey, um, thyme Cretan honey, that that's something I recommend doing as well. Well, they're very spoiled bees, aren't they? They've yes. got all of that fabulous land. And, oh. and I always, I'm always envious of people that um, visit Crete in May, like people that are there now because the wildflowers are incredible it's so beautiful yeah um, to go up into the hills and the mountains and just see them for as far as the eye can can see are just these carpets of beautiful flowers so that's that's and the and the bees are feasting on them and the pine trees and the, yes and the olives and the fruit and all yes. of everything and just um making of course in, as a result the amazing honey yes yeah? absolutely what a what uh, what an island! There's so yes. much that um, it has to offer, and so much diversity too, um, and a lot of history as well. And I mean, like you look at the harbour in Kanya, and there's just there's just so much. There's a church in Kanya, and it's it, you know at one point it was Orthodox, then it was Catholic, then it's still got the minaret from the Ottoman Empire. So mm. it's mm. so clearly visible when you arrive that there's just such a historical fusion that's happened mm. there and it's yeah, I know it's, you, you know the Venetian port so yeah. it does have something I believe and again I'm not sure if I'm biased but I just feel it has something to offer every type of traveler no matter what it is you're looking for whether it's hiking or food or beaches yeah um history or culture cuisine it does have something mythology yes so, another of course, thing Nosos Palace um Nosos. Minotaur um, and other things as well are found there in yes. Crete. So if you're into mythology, it, it ticks that box as well. And, yes, I completely agree. There's so much there. There's something for everybody. But I do think it's a place that you need to go to for, you know, I'd like to say five days, but if you can give it two weeks, that is much better. There are people that say they're going for two days and I, I'm worried about them because I feel like all they're going to see is, the ferry port, the bus, the airport and the hotel yeah. room and not much else. But anyway, um, hopefully this podcast session may convince people to maybe adjust their plans and, and invest a little bit more heavily in Crete because it really is worthwhile and it does deliver. Yes. As do you, Kelly. So thank you so much for our chat today. Um, you're, you've been a very busy girl and um, I really look forward to watching your business evolve and, and flourish further. And I really think, I hope, well, I, actually I know that you will get a number of uh, listeners from Greece Travel Secrets join your tours and uh, I look forward to getting that feedback from them. So thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Sandy. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's not hard to get me to do a podcast when we're talking about Greek food and travel. It's the thing that I'm most passionate about. Well, well done again. Thanks, Thank Kelly. Thank you. Bye. Bye. 
And that ends our uh, today's episode talking about Crete and Cretan food. It's always so great to speak with people who are so passionate about what they do. And you can hear that in Kelly's voice, whether she's talking about food or whether she's talking about Crete or just Greece in general. Um, a topic, of course, that is close to my heart as well. Now, just to finish off for listeners at home, uh, how can you book these tours? There's two ways. You can either head over to my website, greasetravelsecrets.com, find the page on Crete, and in on that page there's an article called Things to Do in Crete, and in that article you'll find Kelly's food tours and cooking classes, along with a whole bunch of other things to do, such as the things we spoke about today, the beaches, the Samaria Gorge, the wineries, many other things to do on Crete as well. Otherwise, you can head over to Kelly's site, thehellenicodyssey.com, and you'll also be able to find her tours and cooking classes there. And you just need to use the code or, or the, the code word, Greece Travel Secrets, when you're booking, and that will get you a 10% discount. So I, I truly hope uh, our listeners get to partake in some of these experiences. I know they'll be amazing and I look forward to seeing and hearing. Thanks for joining me again today. I look forward to next time.